0: Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. Well, if you would stand for our scripture reading. Manuel mentioned we continue with our Blessed Are the Peacemaker series we're doing in this season of Lent. We have made an adjustment to the topic today in light of the circumstances we are in, but I'm going to use as our scripture reading Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9, and if if you want to turn to it, it's on page 1181. Uh, I'm going to kind of hang out in this passage the whole time, so you may want to leave your Bible open and follow along as we go. Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. We are living in fascinating times. Uncertain, for sure. Scary and dangerous, for some. Disruptive and challenging, for us all. But also, these are absolutely wonderful times for us to remember. God is still king. His kingdom is real. And God is at work in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. He is speaking, and he is moving, and he is wanting to teach us many things through this challenge we are facing individually, as a nation, and as a world. And we are gathered together here today, or we are tuning in online, not to give opinions about what should be done to contain the virus, and not to continue to talk about the various precautions uh, that should be taken. Obviously, there are trained professionals who are dedicating their talents and their resources to provide their best guidance for these kinds of things, and we look to them for leadership, and we want to heed their advice and exercise common sense and wisdom. But we are gathered together today here and online as followers of Jesus Christ to seek Him together, to express our trust in Him, to listen to His Word and hear from Him, to remember what ultimately matters, and to remember what is ultimately True, and in coming together, whether here or online, to encourage each other while maintaining six feet of separation, of course. The coronavirus pandemic and the worldwide panic it has created are precisely the situations, I think, where Christians come face to face with what it actually means to follow Jesus Christ and trust Him, both as an individual and we as a faith community and congregation. What it means to actually put our confidence in God. This is easy to do when life circumstances unfold according to our preferred plan. But not so easy when those plans are disrupted. Now certainly common sense is crucial These days, listening to those trained to give medical advice is very important, but it is equally important for Christ followers to reflect on the spiritual significance of these days in which we are living. And that is why we are here today. We are here to remember stabilizing biblical truths and remember God's unfailing goodness and grace. So as I mentioned, we're continuing our Blessed Are the Peacemakers series by talking about moving from panic to peace. And today we are thinking about peace within, peace in our interior world, as chaos and panic fill the exterior world. What does it look like to be a non-anxious Christian presence in these days we are currently facing? In 1948, the brilliant C.S. Lewis Uh, You may be familiar with the many things he wrote that continue to influence people today. In 1948, C.S. Lewis wrote an essay called On Living in an Atomic Age. And in this essay, he offers what I think are timeless words for Christians, regardless of their era, who are living in uncertain times. This is a long reading. It will be on the screen, so I encourage you to follow along. He writes these words, How are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply with why as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night, or indeed as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented, and quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics, but we still have it. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all but a certainty. This is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, a microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. We could probably go home. It gets worse from there, I assure you. In times like these, followers of Jesus must quiet their souls in the greater realities of God and his kingdom. And this is an ongoing practice. These days, this is a practice to engage in multiple times a day. We quiet our souls in the greater realities of God and of his kingdom. Not to escape the dangers of the world, but to enter into them with a renewed confidence in God. And readings like this one from C.S. Lewis are a kind of road sign directing us toward those greater kingdom realities. Exercise common sense is a constant mantra in these panic-filled days, and this is right on target. We should follow the guidance of those who are trained to lead through a crisis such as corona. There are vulnerable people whose bodies are at risk and we should take precautions, if not for our own sake, for their sake. We should be smart about where we go. We should be smart about who we are with. And those who are especially susceptible should do whatever it takes to remain healthy and safe. And at the same time, Faith in Jesus sometimes stretches us beyond the parameters of common sense. So these days, Christ followers remain ready to love our neighbors, care for the vulnerable, pray for the sick, help the poor, run errands for the at-risk, and do practical things for those who can't do them. Elderly people, parents who have to go to work and don't have a place for their children to go, even though school is now out of session in many places. Those with compromised immune systems who need food or who need medicine. And there are a myriad of other practical needs and concerns that have arisen out of this coronavirus pandemic. And these are the kinds of things that represent golden opportunities for followers of Jesus to love our neighbors. And so we are trying to do our best to be open and alert to what some of those needs may be. And I simply want to invite you, if you have the desire or you see it as something that God would want you to do, to consider getting involved in this. And you may have noticed when you walked in at a few of the tables in the back of the auditorium and at some of the bistro tables out in the lobby, and in various places, there are these green sheets of paper, and they are an opportunity for you to fill those out and indicate you can help with some of this stuff, you know someone who needs help with some of this stuff, or you need help with some of these practical things. And you may know somebody who needs help, someone who's elderly, someone who's the parent of a child that has to work and their child doesn't go to school, and they have absolutely nothing to do with Oak Hills Church. We want to know who these folks are, and we want to figure out ways that we can offer ourselves to help. So if you are so inclined, when we're done here, you can go to one of these tables and you can find one of these sheets and just encourage you to take a look at it. And if you want to, you can fill it out. I guess the basic point is that Christ followers should not navigate uncertainty the same way everyone else does. We should be closer to the flame, if you will, or further out on the limb, if you know what I mean, because our confidence is in God. During the plague periods in the Roman Empire era, Christians often stayed put to care for the sick and for the dying when common sense said, Run for your lives. Historians have suggested that a plague in the second century, which killed maybe 25% of the Roman Empire population, led to the spread of Christianity because Christians stayed and they cared for the sick and the dying. And while they were doing this, they had the opportunity to talk with those who were sick and dying and alter the prevailing paradigm of the day by teaching those who were sick and dying that plagues were not the work of angry and capricious gods, but the result of a broken creation imprisoned in a curse caused by human sin from which only God can liberate. A famous epidemic occurred in the 3rd century in the Roman world, and it triggered another explosive growth of Christianity. A bishop named Cyprian preached all sorts of sermons about this plague. So he's kind of known, uh, it's, it's sort of known as the plague of Cyprian because he talked about it so much. And he told Christians over and over again to redouble efforts to care for the living who were sick and filled with the disease. In one of his sermons. He said these remarkable words. What a grandeur of spirit it is. To struggle with all the powers. Of an unshaken mind. Against so many onsets of devastation and death. What sublimity to stand erect amid the desolation of the human race and not to lie prostrate with those who have no hope in God, but rather to rejoice and to embrace the benefit of the occasion, that in thus bravely showing forth our faith and by suffering endured, going forward to Christ by the narrow way that Christ trod, we may receive the reward of His life and faith according to His own judgment. Another bishop, around the same time, named Dionysus, described how Christians, and these are his words, heedless of danger, took charge of the sick, attending to their every need. These uncommon sense actions demonstrated faith in the reality of God and in the reality of his kingdom. In 1527, the bubonic plague hit the city of Wittenberg, Germany, home of the Protestant reformer Martin Luther, and Martin Luther refused to flee the city and protect himself during the plague. He stayed, and he ministered to the sick, and his daughter Elizabeth ended up dying from the disease. Maybe Luther did the right thing. Or maybe he was cavalier and foolish. Maybe he was stubborn stubborn, and just refused to listen to the CDC. But he was seeking to live by faith and put his faith into action even if it cost him his life or his daughter's life. And whatever critique we may have of what he did, it was a show of faith. A concrete demonstration that he believed Jesus was king and his kingdom was real. And so, exercising common sense is often part of what it means to live by faith, but exercising common sense is not synonymous with living by faith. Sometimes Jesus asks us to trust him beyond common sense parameters. And so this is a time for the people of God to use their common sense and listen to Jesus' voice and take his lead wherever it may lead us. And live with radical faith in these challenging times, whatever radical faith might look like. These are pressure-packed times we are in, where what we really believe and what we really trust are getting forced to the surface and they are driving our decisions. And oh, that we might be people whose roots sink deep in the reality of our God and we live for him. And we trust in Him. And we live in the experiential knowledge that He is at the helm of the universe and He's not flipping through His files searching for a solution to COVID-19. He remains on the throne of the universe right now. Now, who is able to discern what He is doing in the midst of this pandemic? Not me. But He's up to something. Corona is not outside Of his control. And so we lean on him and we trust him. And this is the thrust of Paul's words from our scripture reading. Phrases he uses: Rejoice in the Lord always, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, pray about everything. And God's peace, which surpasses understanding, meaning it doesn't make sense, it isn't comprehensible it is beyond common sense will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus god's peace will surround our inner being of thoughts and feelings and impulses and his peace will fill our inner world with calm and hope and joy and trust paul uses a military image here the image of guarding It's straight out of the military world of his day. And it's a good image. God's peace, he says, surrounds our inner being, fortifies our inner being, protects our inner world of thoughts and feelings and instincts to act or react, guards it, and not just guards it, guards it in Christ Jesus. So the one who trusts God, will experience His peace within and live in the reality that God is near and He reigns, so all is well even when it doesn't look so well. And no matter what happens, literally come life or come death, all is still well for the one who trusts in God. So God's peace does not coincide necessarily with common sense. Especially when circumstances spin out of control such as they are, his peace transcends common sense. His peace fortifies our inner being in the realities of God and in the realities of his kingdom, especially when chaos and panic abound. In these uncertain days, God's stabilizing peace wants to descend from our heads something we quote-unquote know And it wants to get into our hearts, our inner world. So it actually shapes our response with all of the uncertainty. God's peace guards our heart from the idols of panic and fear and anger that are vying for our loyalty in times like these. So these are times when we as Christ followers must manifest the surpassing peace of God in our responses to all of the uncertainty. A non-anxious presence in the midst of the panic. And you know we can't fake this. We can't pretend this is true of us when it, if it isn't true. But I believe the world needs Christians right now to demonstrate the peace of God that passes all understanding. And so I want to talk in the remainder of the time about three practical expressions of God's peace within us. Or put it this way, as God's peace continues to take root in us, three practical ways this peace might be manifested in uncertain times like we are in. Three ways to demonstrate our hearts are in fact guarded by God's peace. And the first is to be gentle. In these uncertain times. The Philippians, Paul wrote to, were not living in luxury or thriving in their social setting. They were at risk of persecution for their faith and they faced threats to their well-being and threats to their stability. They were living and following Jesus, in other words, in times of great uncertainty and in many ways their lives were on the line. It's high pressure, high stakes. But Paul instructs them right out of the gate in Philippians 4 in the passage we read he says let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. It is a wonderful tandem of theology and practice. Here's the theology. The Lord is near. He's close at hand. He's present. He's in control. He's watching over. So, the practical. Be gentle. Live gently. And especially in this context, Paul is encouraging the people of God to live gently toward those who are outside of the family of God. To have a gracious disposition toward those outside of the family of God. Think of gentleness in this context as a gracious disposition. So being gentle these days would be having a gracious disposition in the midst of the coronavirus. Or maybe make it even simpler. Having a gracious disposition when we go to Costco. (laughs) And just thinking of what this could look like, to bring a gracious disposition in these uncertain times, just thinking of what this could look like, might bring us to the outskirts of our faith. The far end of it. Out to the limb. Near the flame. Which is a really good place to be. There's widespread panic. As you know, fear. Anxiety. In some instances, people hoarding supplies. Grabbing what they can, even though it means others won't have any of it. There's rampant selfishness. These kinds of things churn up. People have told me how crazy Costco is these days. There's incredible concern about what is happening, and there should be. This is not to be taken lightly. This is daunting. You may also be aware of certain messaging that is out there on social media and in other realms that wants to downplay the virus and even dismiss it as some sort of political conspiracy. So in virtually every direction we can turn and look, there's noise, panic, chaos, fear, anxiety, and uncertainty. And these are the times I would suggest when the people of God are to demonstrate the surpassing and incomprehensible peace of God. And one way we do that is by being gentle bringing a gracious disposition into the midst of all this. The perfect peace, as Isaiah 26.3 calls it. The peace God imparts to those who trust Him. The inner wholeness Christ followers have because, in Paul's words in Acts 17, in Him we live and we move and we have our being. In Christ alone, we put our trust as the old hymn says. And though the mountains fall, our God reigns. And out of the fullness of hearts that are guarded and fortified by the peace of God, we can, and I would suggest, we must be gentle in these days because God is still God. And He is near. And He is our hope. And He is our help. And no matter what happens, we can trust Him. And all will be well Even if all doesn't turn out exactly how we want or when we want, so be gentle. Say no to mind-consuming panic. Here's how you do this. As mind-consuming panic starts to run wild in your inner being, we pause and we turn toward and we literally say out loud, no, I'm not going to go there. Say no to adding to the rhetoric and to the noise in person, with others, or online. Fast from forwarding stories online that are just going to promote the noise, increase the chaos, and all of it under the banner of, quote, the truth. Fast from it. Bring a gracious disposition to Costco. Bring a gracious disposition to your online community. In this uncertain time, embody love and grace and hope. Paraphrasing Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, out of the overflow of the reality of our inner world, out of the overflow of who we actually are in our inner being, we speak, we react, we respond, indeed we think and we feel. The mouth speaks, Jesus says in Matthew 12, what the heart is full of. Extrapolating that out a bit, the fingers type what the the heart is full of. He says a good person brings good things out of the good stored up in them. And in pressure-filled times like the ones we are in, what is stored up in us is forced out, whether we want it to, or not, and oh, that we might bring forth the good fruit of gentleness in these days. Let's just say, for the sake of thinking this through, not to be uh, overly somber or morose, but let's just say this virus becomes a full-scale plague and kills half the population of our world. Here's the question. How then shall we, as Christ followers, live? Are we not, even then, to be ambassadors of God's peace and practitioners of gentleness and grace and mercy? Second way to manifest God's peace in these days is to pray hard. Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything. Not even sickness? Nope. Sickness is captured in the word anything. How about the anxiety of not having any sports to watch on television? Is that under that anything word? That's under that anything word. Don't be anxious about it. How about the plummeting stock market and the 401k hit? Surely we get an exception there. Well, be anxious about that because it affects your future. No, that fits under the word anything. How about school closings? Job implications? That, I think that extends out from the word anything. How about death? That too is enveloped in the idea of anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends, surpasses, exceeds, is beyond all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Such a beautiful picture. In all these situations where turmoil and trouble abound, Paul's words, the Lord is near. And those who follow Jesus are told to bring every single request and present it to Him. And ask fervently for Him to intervene. And because we have brought our needs, our concerns, our fears, our wants to the King of everything who has unmatched power, amazing grace, unfathomable love, and supreme wisdom, we can then release our anxiety and open our hands and open our souls to receive His stabilizing and mellowing peace. My life is in your hands. Our nation is in God's hands. This world is in God's hands. This world is God's world. His peace focuses our inner being and fixes it on the realities of Jesus and on the reality of His kingdom. So I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and we're going to just take a few minutes here to pray together. And I want to make this really a time for individual prayer that I will guide us through with various things to pray for. But if you go off in some other Direction in prayer, that's obviously a good thing, so don't even pay attention to me. A time for individual prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, present your requests to the King who is here. So perhaps you have some anxieties, fears, Maybe in these days it looks strong to act confident, but maybe you're not. That's okay. We all are wavering a bit, I would imagine. Bring those fears, those anxieties, name them and present them to the King who is near. Jesus is King and Jesus is near. We think of the vulnerable in the midst of all this. Those who are older. Those who are very young. Children. The fears they may have. Take a moment and pray for people you know who are older. Or for children you know. That God would give them strength and peace in these days. Jesus is King and Jesus is here. There are people you may know or not, but there are people who for a long, long time have had cancer and their surgery was scheduled for tomorrow. And they need the surgery. And the anxiety of having surgery for cancer has been compounded by entering into a Hospital, where all of these things can be brewing. And there are doctors, and there are nurses, and there are patients, and all this uncertainty can be engulfing. Pray for those in those situations. Jesus is King, and Jesus is here. There are people who are traveling, they're far from home, and don't know how they're going to get home. Take a moment and pray for them. are those who are homeless and very poor they may not have a luxury of a home they may not have the luxury of quarantine they may not have the luxury of social distancing pray for them Jesus is King and Jesus is here. This virus has already taken lives. There are people who have it and are sick. There are some who are sick who are very vulnerable to what this disease can do. We want this disease to come to an end. We want those who are researching to find a way to treat it to find a way to make our bodies immune, to fight it. Take a moment and pray for doctors, for leaders, for researchers, that God would be gracious and would bring an end to this quickly. And as we continue to pray, may we who are merely inconvenienced remember those whose lives are at stake. May we who have no risk factors remember those most vulnerable. May we who have the luxury of working from home remember those who must choose between preserving their health or making their rent. May we who have the flexibility to care for our children when their schools close remember those who have no options. May we who have to cancel our trips remember those that have no safe place to go. May we who are losing our margin money in the tumult of the economic market remember those who have no margin at all. May we who settle in for a quarantine at home remember those who have no home. During this time when we may not physically touch others, let us find ways to be the loving embrace of God to our neighbors. During this time when many are hunkering down to protect themselves, give us your eyes, Jesus, and ears and love that we might see and serve and give ourselves away and sacrifice for others. And may we who follow Jesus find ways to do more than just remember. For while remembering helps, sometimes more practical help is needed. And all these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Lastly, as we think about peace within, I would urge us to think Christian in these uncertain times. Paul says to those facing uncertainty, whatever is true, whatever is noble whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. mull such things over. Fill your minds with beautiful truth. He's saying in the midst of the pressure of the now, steer your thoughts to the reality of God's presence and goodness And grace. Remember the supremacy of Jesus and the goodness of His kingdom for Christ is to be the rudder to guide our thoughts in uncertain times. This doesn't alleviate all the trouble as we know, doesn't ensure a happy ending, doesn't eradicate the importance of taking precautions, but it does bring us back to the center. As Christ followers, we follow Christ. And this means we trust Him in everything and with everything. When the goodness is spreading or when the virus is spreading, we continue to trust Him. When the circumstances and externals are spinning out of control, as you well know, our minds and our thoughts and our feelings can also spin out of control. And fear and panic will dominate our minds and end up dictating our decisions unless we pause and remember. So Paul instructs in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. What a marvelous practice for us in these uncertain days. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to to Jesus this means we test our thoughts we examine our feelings we pay attention to our inner world and we test these things is this thought or feeling or action consistent with the reality of Jesus as king over everything would Jesus think like this if he were facing the coronavirus Instead of unvetted thoughts and feelings scurrying in every direction, producing unreflective responses galore, we slow down and we pause and we take the thought and the feeling and the imminent action they are suggesting and we test them. Is this consistent with the truth that Jesus is King and His kingdom is real? I cannot stress this enough. We must think Christian in these days. That is, think in a manner consistent with the convictions we profess, the beliefs we hold, the songs we sing, the realities we proclaim. Jesus is King and His kingdom. Is real, we must think Christian in these times. Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. More good words written to people who are facing uncertainty. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord Himself, is the rock eternal. Perfect peace literally is translated peace, peace. In the Hebrew Bible, this phrase literally is shalom, shalom. It's a literary way of emphasizing. So we could read it this way He will keep in an all embracing peace those whose minds, inner world, are steadfast because they trust in you. It's the Old Testament way of saying, A peace that passes all understanding. See, it is tempting in the times in which we're living to think selfishly, to hoard, to worry if we've got enough and not concerned at all if others do. So it's tempting to think selfishly, to grab and to hoard, to think contentiously. Who's to blame for this? Who's not doing enough in this? And get into arguments about the policies and the procedures unfolding. It is tempting in these times to think conspiratorially. What's really going on behind this? It is tempting in these days to think God is on a beach somewhere in Costa Rica with his arms behind his head and someone taps him on the shoulder and says, you realize there's a virus running rampant in your world. And he's going, really? I didn't know. It's tempting to get drawn into thinking that God is resting somewhere unaware of what is happening. And again, I'm not suggesting at all to abandon precautions. In any way, I'm saying for those who follow Jesus, now is the time to slow down and think as one who follows Jesus. Slow down and process as one who follows Jesus. Slow down and act as one follows Jesus. Because God is still in control. The King is here. And we can trust Him in the midst of all this. Let's pray together. It is good for us to quiet our souls in the realities of God and of His kingdom. To bring all of the chaos the uncertainty, the anxiety, the fear, not to hide it, not to pretend, not to act like we don't have it. This beautiful invitation from the Apostle Paul, do not be anxious in anything because you can present everything to the King who is over everything. It is good to quiet our souls in the reality of God and of His kingdom. To exhale. He's in control. Our lives, our nation, our world belong to Him. And we can trust Him in this. Lord, we thank you for these truths and promises. And especially for the way in which these uncertain days have a unique power to strip us from the things we are relying on so that we can return to a reliance on you. Increase our faith, we pray in your name. Amen.